Welcome to Becoming Your Best Version, a podcast in which I interview amazing women who have made great changes in their lives and achieved great things. And today I am excited to bring you Fatima Gull, otherwise known as, known as Fati. She is a Sindhi American human rights activist and executive director of the Sindhi American Political Action Committee. I met Fati when we both attended a wonderful women's retreat called Women of the Wild, which we both have attended for years now. It is an amazing uh, vibration lifting, self-improvement celebratory retreat that is held every year in the fall. And if you, you are interested in a life-changing retreat, I would urge you to look at womenofthewild.us for more information about that. But getting back to my guest today, welcome Fati. Thank you, Maria. I would love for our audience to learn more about the Sindhi people and what has happened to deprive them of their own country and their land and not they have been unable to diminish their spirit. I know that much, but let me know about, let us have the uh, summary version of what has happened to the Sindhi people. So uh, basically when we talk about Sindhi people, so we are talking about 50 million Sindhi people who live in, live in Sindh province of Pakistan. Okay. So Pakistan has four provinces and one of them is Sindh province where 50 million Sindhis live. And then there are millions of Sindhis who live in India. And again, it's a very international uh, community. They are, they have been into, involved into business and trade. So they are in big metropolitan cities around Europe and South America and here in the United States. Yeah. So that is a little bit of demography of Sindhi people, but the problems started in 1947 when Pakistan became, when India was divided into two countries, Pakistan and India. And unfortunately, 93% of Sindhi people had no idea that, uh, you know, like all of a sudden, they are going to be part of this new country called Pakistan. Mm. And it was a big shock for them. And a lot of millions of Sindhi Hindus had to leave their homes and ancestral lands where they have lived for like thousands of years because Sindhis belong to one of the oldest civilization is called Indus Valley civilization. Mm. So the Sindhi Hindu families had to go in the middle of the night. They had to go leave everything and go to India because they were Hindus. And people who called themselves Sindhi Muslims, they just stayed. So they had no idea what is going on. Uh, talking about the, the, the important thing. So it is, it is 1940 resolution where a very small group of people decided that Sindh will become part of Pakistan. Even though there was no movement, the people had no idea what is going on, millions of people. And this 1940 resolution, again, 
this resolution promise that if Sindh becomes part of Pakistan, there will not be any interference from the center or from the central government. Sindh will still remain autonomous. Sindhi language as one of the oldest language will remain the national language of Sindh. And similarly, the education system will remain same in infrastructure and the cultural heritage will not be affected. But it's been more than 70 years and that has not been true. There has been a lot of persecution, um, you know, Sindhi Hindus uh, abducted, Sindhi Hindus, especially girls of ages 11 and 12 abducted and forcibly converted to Islam. Uh, temples are being destroyed. Language um, is being, you know, the heritage has been destroyed. The language um, is being destroyed. The curriculum is being changed. They don't want us to learn the Sindhi heritage and the history. So there has been a lot of, you know, problems in the last 70 years. And today Sindh is, um, is you know, uh, going through a lot in terms of human rights violations. Yes. And I was lucky enough to join in um, a demonstration of support and raising awareness for both environmental uh, causes and human rights violations, including what's going on with the Sindhi Americans or Sindhi people, when Fatih and a cohort of her uh, fellow Sindh people and their supporters walked from New York City to Washington DC to raise funds and awareness for these causes. And we met at the Lincoln Memorial for the conclusion of the walk. And I have been um, amazed at how much uh, support you have garnished within the US Congress for Cindy causes. How has that come about? Yes, uh, thank you, Maria. Very, uh, very good question. So it has taken me 10 years mm. and every year um, we do hundreds of meetings. And yes, this is what we do. Like right now, I'm telling you, Sindhi people, the demography, the history, the problems, issues, that's what we do um, you know, every day. We meet members of Congress, their staffers, educating them and slowly we have seen you know some um some support you know now there is a congressional synth caucus there's a group of members of congress who who have joined congresses and caucus so they can learn more and do more for this community it's mm -hmm. still there's so much more needs to be done uh, there has been some you know floor speeches to create awareness some resolutions have been introduced on enforced disappearances of Sindhi people Yes. Yeah, so, so as I told you, that person, yeah. enforced disappearances, it's, it's horrifying what I learned in just the small amount of time that I've known about what's happening to the Cindy people that uh, young women are often taken from their families and on the street and they just disappear. And later it is found out that they were forced to convert to Muslim religion and marry old men against their will. How does that happen in modern society? Yeah, Maria, it's, it's a very systematic. So we have to learn that Sindh region has been very tolerant. So 5,000, more than 5,000 years of Sindh history, there was never an official religion. Mm. 
And the only official religion in those 5,000 years of history was Buddhism for a very short period of time. People don't know. So inherently, the Sindhi people, they are more tolerant. They, they are Sindhi first. The belief system always, the religion comes second. Mm -hmm. So they are Sindhis who are Muslims, Sindhis who are Hindus, Sindhis who are Parsis. Even there were Sindhi Jews who were living there uh, in Hyderabad and Karachi, two big cities in Sindh. They proudly called themselves Sindhi Jews. They were speaking Sindhi, but their belief system was Jew. Mm -hmm. So that is history. So in the last 70 years, they, they want to make, they want to homogenize. They want to make all Sindhis good Muslims and good Pakistanis. They want them to forget about their culture and history that they are so proud of. And that's just not happening. I mean, there are Sindhi, famous Sindhi people in, in all parts of modern society and in all countries. I was uh, gratified to learn about the Sindhi people in the arts, in literature, in uh, so many different aspects of our society. Indian and Bollywood industry. Oh, yes. Most of them. Yeah. <laughs> Most of the producers and top actors and actresses are Sindhi origin. Mm, that's wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. And you're working on a documentary, is that right? Yes, Maria. My friend Rachel Clara Reed, when she heard about this 350 mile long walk, she has already been, you know, working on such issues. She has made documentaries on, um, you know, indigenous communities here, and then she's also um, covering the story of uh, some refugees mm -hmm. from South America and their struggles. Um, and when she knew about this long walk and she said, I want to walk with you and I want to make a documentary about this long walk and about your cause and your life and your work. And I said, okay. And then she spent three weeks walking with me and making a documentary. So it, the, the, it is in the post-production and I'm really looking, looking for some support, how we can create more momentum and awareness about the documentary. Yes, very important. And I know it must be frustrating to have worked on this for more than 10 years on this cause and still things are still dire for your people. Uh, tell me how you got involved in this work in the first place. Um, so Maria, uh, being born in a very, very small village in Sindh um, as a girl, so there's so many challenges, uh, you know, girls have to face. They are always like second or third, uh, you know, um, what do you say? Um, in the hierarchy? In the hierarchy, if you're lucky, you can second or third. It's like they're not given that much. Uh, the, the whole system is created in, in a way because the way Pakistan is, there is no law and order. There's no infrastructure. The police is not there to protect people. Police is there to harass people. Oh, so, um, you know, a school system, the, the religious system where you get religious education, there's so much of abuse and uh, at any level, public transportation, um, there is complete chaos. Mm -hmm. Just living and having that hard experiences, first-hand experiences, um, you know, of abuse and going into the schools and then challenges. And then again, in the work environment. So you are discriminated on different level. You are discriminated for being a girl. You are discriminated for being a Sindhi, you know, 
and then you are you know j- just you know discriminated um, for being like independent or being on your own as a woman mm-hmm. you need a father or a brother or a husband and without them you're nothing mm. if you want to be something on your own that's it that's a sin <laughs> oh that's terrible so, there's so many challenges When so did- those all those experiences kind of uh gave me that i should be doing i should be so- doing something about it i could not do it when i was in pakistan because it's very dangerous so when i decided to, i went to malaysia to study law and then i i came here to united states because i was very impressed by the by the work um few you know organizations were doing here and i just wanted i started volunteering and i came here and became significant part of that organization especially since the american political action committee and then i was made executive executive director in 2014 so yeah okay so when did you come to the united states it was 2010 okay and was it yeah, hard to get uh to leave your country um yeah it was it was hard but then again uh it was very very clear if you the the kind of work i want to do there's no way i can stay there and do um so it was very very important and i knew that maybe um soon i might not be able to go back and see my my village or my relatives because everyone still lives there and especially it has been very um dangerous for me ever since i have testified in the us congress on human rights situation in pakistan So you probably cannot return. No, I cannot. Do you have family still there? Yes, my dad is a law professor. He lives in Hyderabad and I have rest of my family, my cousins, my aunts, uncles. Have there been there. repercussions against your extended family for the work that you're doing? No, it's just my uh, it's just my uh some of my, you know, um uh, family members um get some you know some you know messages mm-hmm. um especially my dad they asked my dad to um to call me and stop me from what i'm doing oh. that those kind of messages yeah. does your dad support your work he he does uh-huh. he does yeah yeah Well, mm-hmm. I commend you on doing this important work especially as a woman from a very repressed culture and society that you had so many cards stacked against you and yet you moved through what must have been a scary endeavor for you. Yeah, it has been a scary at every uh you know step Yes. At every step it has been very very scary, dangerous. It's like survival. Like it's it's always about survival at every step. You are either going to die or you stay alive. Mm-hmm. And yeah, when yeah, when, if I'm alive, I want to make sure my life is of some use. And especially when you think about there are 50 million people whose voice have been suppressed. Media is very censored. The human rights violations that are going on like right now like like just um you know some time ago there were 10000 sindhis who gathered to protest in karachi one of the biggest city in pakistan but um, your audience or you 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 might must might not have heard about it 
No, I didn't. And not. what Pakistani government, yeah, and what Pakistani government does, they arrest more than 200 people for just peacefully protesting. Mm. That's such a shame. And we don't know, no one knows, no media covers. Mm. Um, so that's why I'm, I'm just doing meetings with the members of Congress, sending them the list of these people, whatever evidence I can get, uh, you know, uh, collect. Um, it's just, it's, it's a very, very hard job. Yes, that is is really scary. And I have uh, written about in my book that uh, courage, well, it's a quote from someone else, but courage is not the absence of fear, but feeling the fear and doing it anyway. And that is something that you embody in the work that you're doing. And I have such respect for that. Mm, so, thank you, Maya. Thanks. I mean, you're obviously living uh, your best version because you're making differences in the lives of so many people, so many people whose voices have been silenced. But on a more personal level, what are some things that you do to become your best version? I think, um, Maria, whatever you do, whatever our life challenges are, kind of like every day is a challenge, like waking up in the morning and then getting the things uh getting things done the things you really want to do mm -hmm. and at the same time maintaining a healthy sane life so we don't we don't want to ignore all these parts so work is less yes one significant part of my life mm -hmm. at the same time i want to make sure i want to make sure i sleep at least eight hours of peaceful sleep yeah. um, if i want to utilize my my day um, at the same time, in order to be more authentic, I know, uh, just knowing and being aware of what my mind and my, what my body needs, um, you know, what kind of people we interact with. And I have my best companion, my, uh, you know, my uh, Moksha, my puppy activist, <laughs> you have seen him. He is beautiful, like going on walks with him, his company, um, consuming everything that can you know, heal you that can, because the work is very draining. Yes. Um, and, and being authentic is very, very important. If you want to go um, in a long way, either in your personal life or professional life, mm -hmm. we cannot go anyway if we don't dig in and figure out who we really are and what we really need. And, you know, making sure um, our basic needs are met so true. um yeah that helps um you know it's very very crucial yeah it sounds like you really are careful about taking practicing self-care both physical self-care emotional mental so that you can be effective in this very draining work that you do so mm -hmm. I, I definitely want to thank you for sharing with us and educating us about the plight of the Cindy people. And in the show notes, you will find the cindyfoundation.org website so that you can learn more and become involved in human rights, eradicating human rights violations in Pakistan and elsewhere, and uh, learn more about um, Fatih's work. So I thank you so much for being on our show and teaching us how to be courageous and how to work for something that isn't easy, but is so meaningful 
Thank you, Fatih. Thank you so much, uh, Maria, for inviting me. And I want to thank everyone, all the audience who are taking out time to listen to this. Thank you and have a great day.